Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this episode, what I'm going to talk about is movies. More specifically, we're going to flip the script. Now, I'll explain that. Uh, Just a couple of days ago, my boy, my brother, Baylor, uh, went on his podcast, um, BTG for President, and uh, he and my man Rashani, they recorded an episode uh, called Flip the Script, right? And on that particular episode, what they did was they took four movies, four black movies from the 90s that some or a lot of people would deem, you know, classics. And they took those four movies, right? And what they did was they did a breakdown. Not breaking down the whole movie because I'm assuming if you click the link, you see the cover art, you've seen these movies. So I'm not spoiling anything for anybody who's tapping in. Although I did talk to one of my friends who has only seen two of these four movies. And I subsequently told her that her black card will be suspended if she don't watch these movies. <laughs> but um, anyway, so they flipped the script and what they did was they broke down things that they would change about the movie, about each movie. And I was really compelled uh, and really locked in uh, because both Baylor and Rashani are one for one thing, they're great podcasters and both of them had different stories and different ideas as to how or the things that they would change. Right. So as soon as I finished uh, listening to the episode, I text Bill, I sent him a voice note. I was like, yo, I'm going to remix this. I mean, I was just really amped. I was like, as I was listening to the podcast, I was literally like screaming at my speakers, like, Oh my gosh, y'all didn't talk about this. And there's no right or wrongs, but I just wanted to flip the script and I wanted to remix the script that was being flipped because I think uh, while they hit the nail on, a, on you know, some of the obvious things, I think they missed a couple of things. And I'm going to touch on that on this podcast. And, and if you did not hear their episode, I will have a link, link to Baylor's podcast in the show notes. Um. With that being said, let's get on to the podcast. Um, So as you can see, the four movies that are listed, New Jack City, Boys in the Hood, Juice, and Menace to Society, right? Again, four movies that a lot of people would deem hood classics, classics, whatever you want to call it. So, again, so what I wanted to do was tell you a little bit about the movie, first and foremost, and then I'll tell you how I flip, how I would flip the script. Okay, so let's start with New Jack City. New Jack City was released March 8th, 1991. Uh, it had such stars as Ice-T, uh, Judge, Judge, what is it, Judd Nelson, um, Chris Rock, uh, Mario Van Peebles, of course, uh, Wesley Snipes, Alan Payne, um, just to name a few. 
And if you're not familiar with the movie, the movie's about uh, this guy who becomes the drug kingpin of New Jack City, which I'm assuming is New York City. Uh, and that is one Nino Brown played by um, played by Wesley Snipes. And of course, his CMB, Cash Money Brothers, uh, Alan Payne was his right-hand man, a.k.a. G-Money. And so they get infiltrated. They, I mean, they take over this project. They become, Nino becomes the drug kingpin of New York. And, you know, Scotty Appleton, a.k.a. Ice-T, is, um, you know, he's given the task and creates a task force to try to uh, take down Nino Brown. And it goes on and so forth and so on. Uh, you know the rest. <laughs> so here's what I will say. I'm going to, for each of these movies, I'm going to give you a segment called Let's Keep It Real. And what I mean by that is, that's what I would change. Or just, I want to highlight what was like, either what I want to change or what was ridiculous about the movie, right? And then I'm going to give you one of my quotables. Um, now, I will say this much. Uh, the great thing about all four of these movies, there are a lot of quotables. I mean, like, you, you could quote, and so I'm only going to give you one, one of my, one quotable from each movie. Um, so I told you who was, I told you when it came out, I told you, you know, who was starring in it. Uh, as far as New Jack, I remember going to the movie theater to see New Jack City. Uh, I was a senior in high school. So I, re I remember going to see that and uh, it was dope. I, I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing New Jack City in the movie theaters. I think I saw it like the second week it was out. Or maybe I saw it the first week. I can't even remember. Um, so let's keep it real. And I'm going to give you three keep it reals from each movie. First one, as far as New Jack City. Number one, you are not hiring a reformed, and I put that in quotation marks, a reformed crackhead to head to be the key component of a major sting drug operation. That wasn't realistic. I mean, like, Pookie, <laughs> I mean, like, I don't even know if his real name was Pookie. I, I know uh, Baylor and, and, and Rashani touched on it. I think they gave his real name. I don't know what Pookie's real name is. We all know Chris Rock as Pookie in that movie, right? So, yeah, I mean, realistically, if you're trying to take down a drug kingpin, in reality, <laughs> Scotty Appleton, the cop that played by Ice-T, he should have been the, the undercover guy. You're not putting Pookie in a crack house <laughs> and expecting him to help you take down the drug kingpin Nino Brown and the uh, consortium cash money brothers CMB. Um, so that was one thing. I mean, again, you know, looking back on it, it, it just, it didn't make any sense. And, and I want to, let me be clear before I even go any further of all of the things that I'm going to tell you that they could have changed about the movies. I love all 40s movies and I've seen them multiple times. And honestly, if, either of them any of them came on tv tomorrow i would sit down and watch it just like i'd never seen it before because that's what i always do right so 
That's number one. You're not hiring a reformed crackhead. And, and to be honest, we don't even know if Pookie really was off that narcotic. We don't know if he was off the rock, but he got back on the rock and we saw what happened to Chris Rock. <laughs> um, number two, the Carter. The Carter was a huge housing project that was taken over by the CMB. And the funny thing is nothing happened to the people that took over the Carter. I mean, like you have this huge housing project and drug dealers just take it over and the cops do absolutely nothing. Let's keep it real. That's never going to happen. I don't care. I mean, like you're not running up in Queensbridge or Cabrini Green or Jordan Downs or anywhere in the United States where there's housing projects, Bowen Homes. You ain't running up in there and making them become your victims because you've taken over an entire apartment complex and made it into your place of business. Now, you can stand on the corner and sell dope, but you ain't about to take over no whole building. And I mean, from what we could tell, the Carter was a pretty big building and nothing happened. <laughs> the cops did absolutely nothing. So let's keep it real. That's not happening. It's made for TV. It's made for movies. Reality is it's not happening. And last but not least, number three, and again, these are no particular order. Number three, um, Nino Brown gets killed. Well, no, no, before we go back to Nino Brown, let's go back to the, I got two things for number three. I know that's that means four, but it's mine. It's my podcast, so I can do what I want. <laughs> the fight scene at the end. The fight scene is bootleg. The fight scene with Nino Brown and Scotty Appleton uh, is bootleg. And I'm going to tell you how. If you watch the movie, when Ice-T runs up on the kid, there, there's some kids sitting on a stoop. And it's clearly nighttime, right? And Ice-T pulls one kid. And he's like, he, he wanted to know where Nino Brown was. He knew Nino Brown was held up in that particular apartment. And... The kid told him, like, hey, he's on the top floor. He's got bodyguards, so forth and so on. So it was clearly nighttime. And then we we get the scene where Ice-T, you know, Scotty Appleton, Ice-T, whatever you want to call him, he's swinging into the window and he crashes into the window of Nino Brown's apartment. It was dark when he swung in there, right? So he and Nino get to the shooting out into place. And old girl, she steps in and she tries to, you know, help Nino out. He, Scotty punches her and they get to fighting. And then Scotty goes to throw Nino out of the window. Well, when Scotty throws Nino out the window, and I'm not sure if you caught this, but you should have. It was broad daylight. It wasn't even sunrise. It literally went from midnight to to 12 o'clock and i'm like yo how does this happen like 
like that's i mean that is a glaring part of the movie that i'm like yo man y'all do y'all see this like are y'all watching the same thing i'm watching because you can't be I don't know, and Mario Van Peebles directed this movie. I would like for somebody to explain to me how that is, because clearly, again, maybe, just maybe, he's thinking, okay, well, when Nino Brown goes in, I mean, when when Icy goes in, he has to stake it out for a little while, and he stakes it out. But, I mean, even when he flew into the window, it was still dark. It was dark outside. And then he throws Ice-T outside, and then they're fighting on the stairwell and he throws ice tea and I mean, uh, he throws Nino Brown into some trash and it's clearly broad daylight. I mean, like it's like 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. So let's just keep it real. That wasn't realistic, man. So I definitely flipped that script. Uh, part two, uh, Nino Brown's death. <laughs> Nino Brown manages not to get killed by the Italians uh, he manages not to get killed by any of the street hustlers that he's gone up against. He manages not to get killed by uh, uh, Ice-T and the cops. And he manages to get killed by an old man with a bayonet in his hand. <laughs> no, it really wasn't a bayonet. But he had like the oldest, oldest gun that you've ever seen in your life. And he shoots Nino Brown in a courtroom that he was able to stick, uh, uh, sneak a gun into the, in, in, into the federal building, and with no problem. And that happened. <laughs> so yeah, you, you got to keep it real. Now my quotable, um, comes from the late Nino Brown, but this is before he passed. And you'll know this scene when when you hear me say it. I mean, there's a bunch of quotables, but. One of my favorite quotables was, if it were me, I'd be looking for the pimples on the booty. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, that's New Jack City. So now let's move on to Boys in the Hood. Um, Boys in the Hood, that came out um, July 2nd, 1991. Um, and I know exactly where I was because I was about to become a freshman at South Carolina State University. So that was the summer before my freshman year. And, um, yeah, this was dope. This was dope because (laughs) I actually went out on a date with this movie. Um, and we had a good, we had a good time. She, she wasn't, it wasn't like a girlfriend thing, but if somebody I was trying to, you know, get to know or whatever like that, but um she was frightened. <laughs> she had never seen such in her life. Um the story takes place in LA, California. Um the movie stars obviously Ice Cube, Horse Chestnut. Um it was directed by John Singleton. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr., Regina King, uh, MC8, the great MC8. No, MC, I'm sorry, I'm in, I'm, t- I'm mixing up my movies. Um, Ice Cube, uh, like I said, was directed by John Singleton. Um, uh, Nia Long was in it. Um, my man, Lawrence Fishburne, aka Furious Styles, 
which is one of the dopest movie name ever. Um, so yeah, it, it was uh, that just to name a few. The movie set in my guess is South Central Los Angeles, which is now South LA. Um, and it's about you know this kid named Trey. Trey's parents are divorced. Trey's mom sends him to live with his dad. And she basically says, like, look, you got to teach him how to be a man. And Trey's got these friends that live across the street. Uh, Ricky and Doughboy, who don't have a father in their life. And, you know, early foreshadowing, uh, Lawrence Fishburne tells a young Trey, you, you, you watch your friends across the street. You know, they don't have anybody in their life to give them discipline. And you're going to see how they turn out. And that was some really, really true foreshadowing uh, while you think about it. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much where the movie set. Um, and it just shows how, you know, these boys navigate through life and the decisions that they make and, you know, what happens. Um, so now let's keep it real. Number one. <laughs> Let me start by saying black women are the backbone of our society, right? We go as black women go. Black women have long traditionally taken care of not just our families, but white families, little white kids, everything, even when it wasn't cool to do so, right? And they made a way. They always made a way. They found a way to make a way. No matter what. That being said, and I think Rashani and Baylor on their episode really touched in on this. Um, I think that number one, I don't think that a black woman has given up her son for all of those years to let him go live with his daddy. Because if you think about it, I think Trey goes to his dad when he's like maybe nine or ten. And then the movie kind of speed warps forward and Trey's like a senior in high school. So let's say, you know, that's seven years. That's a long time to be giving up your child, you know, to your ex-husband. Um, and I don't think that's realistic. Not then, not especially not then. No, no, I, I, I don't, I don't see that happening. I just don't. I mean, so I think, and, and no matter how dope, Angela Bassett looked and how no matter how dope her acting was I just don't think that's realistic we got to keep let's keep real number one I think um you know that's not realistic um number two when it was time for the retaliation because you know what happens straight I mean Ricky gets killed murdered um and it's time for retaliation. So, Monster, Doughboy, they're in the car, and Trey gets in the car with him. Let's keep it real. In real life, what would happen was before they left, when Trey got in the car, because Trey was the straight laced kid, Doughboy had already done a bid. You know, he was on strike one, headed for strike two and three. So realistically, if if and when Trey gets in the car, Doughboy is going to say something like, hey, man, you got to be down for 187. 
Did I say that right? 187. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to be down for winning or something to that effect. You know, I'm I'm not up on the street killer lingo. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he's going to basically say like, look, we're going to put in work. You coming with us? If you coming with us, you with us. If you ain't, you ain't. And Trey's a square. And there's nothing wrong being a square. All of us, well, I ain't going to say all of us, but I'm a square. You are a square. Um, the reality is most of us not jumping in that car because we know what's going to happen after that, right? They're going to get the get back. They're going to get those guys that kill Trey. I mean, um, they kill Ricky. So in reality, let's keep it real. Number two, Doughboy would have never stopped that car to let Trey get out. Never. That is something that happens in the movies. Now, what again, what I will say is that in real life, before they pulled off, he would have said, like, yo, you down for this? And if he said, yeah, then he's rolling. And if he said no, then they'll leave him right there on the curve and with his bloody shirt, and then <laughs> he can go home and figure it out. And they're going to get, you know, they're going to get those dudes back to kill Rick. Um, But, yeah, no, nah, that's, that's not realistic. And that's, you know, again, it's something made for the movies. I get it, but in re- reality is, Doughboy's not stopping that car for nobody. As soon as he sees them dudes, they dump it. And that's exactly what happened. And I'll sidebar real quick. I don't know how it was at the movie theater where you guys went to see the movies, but at the movie theater where I saw the movies at, in my hometown of Florida, South Carolina, when Doughboy and Monster get the drop on these dudes and they start shooting them, man, it was people in the movie theater standing up clapping. I'm like, if y'all don't sit your <laughs> If y'all don't sit y'all asses down, what are y'all doing? It's a movie. But, um, and the young lady I was with, she was terrified. <laughs> um, but yeah, nah, it, it's, it's not realistic. Let's keep it real. Number three. I mean, it's obvious. Um, Baylor and Rashani talked about it and I'm going to harp on it again. Trey and Ricky should have never split up. Let me say that again. Trey and Ricky should have never split up. There was no way that you're going to shoot two people with a sawed-off shotgun. Now, I mean, I don't, I'm not really, you know, that familiar with sawed-off shotguns, um, but I don't think Dre, I mean, excuse me, Trey and Ricky get hit, you know, at the same time if they got, you know, a shotgun. A sawed-off shotgun at that. And I, I was bugging because as I was listening to Baylor's episode, Rashani did make mention of the fact that uh, how initially Ricky was very close to the car. And then when he gets shot, he's like 40, 40 feet away. And realistically, I mean, like, you're not hitting a target like that if they're 40, 50, 60 feet, 60, I'm sorry, not feet, not feet, not feet, I'm sorry yards so if ricky is 50 yards away you're not hitting him like that with a sawed-off shotgun um but no that's not realistic uh and yeah they should have never split up you know i mean rick was doing dumb stuff like he was doing the scratch off and then he had to pee and like come on man like that's not even of course it's made for movies but no i mean the way the scene played out when they dipped off into the alley they could have jumped the fence chilled in somebody's backyard until they drove past them because it's not like they were on foot they were in a car 
So, you know, and I mean, obviously that was sad, but I mean, looking back on it realistically, I knew in that scene when they left the house that Ricky was going to get killed. I just knew it because I was like, man, this ain't this. It, the, the scene was just setting up. And, and don't get me wrong. John Singleton, rest in peace. Great director. Great director. I think he did a great job in setting up that scene. But I, I saw his murder coming a mile away. Um, now let's get to my quotable. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that one. Uh, <laughs> I'll just keep it real. <laughs> a famous line either they don't know don't show or care about what's going on in the hood that was Doughboy um, now let's get to the next movie Juice the movie is set in New York City I believe uh, starring Omar Epps um Khalil Kane, um Tretch, uh Samuel L. Jackson makes an appearance. Um let's see, what's what's um Steele's name? I can't remember Steele's real name. Um and of course Tupac Amaru Shakur. Um so EPMD makes a guest appearance in this movie as well. Um Queen Latifah. Uh, the movie set around four set of, I mean, four four friends: uh, Q, Bishop, Steele, and hold up, I'm forgetting somebody. Q, Bishop, Steele, and Raheem. There we go. And so, set around these four friends and the things that they get into themselves around the city and in their neighborhood. Um, and it, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely interesting. Um, I think this movie, it came out, um, it premiered January 17th, 1992. Uh, I remember this movie as well because I saw it in a movie theater. I was a freshman at South Carolina State University. Um, I went to the movies by myself on this one. Uh, no, 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 no. I take that back. I think I went, I think me and Jay Fresh went. Um, but anyway, so these four friends trying to navigate through life, high school, well, <laughs> when they did go to high school, Q was the guy who was the one who was quote unquote trying to make it as a DJ. He had won a couple of DJ competitions. He was known as a local DJ. And at the time, the movie's entitled Juice because back then in the early 90s we would say like you got the juice meaning like you got the props if you were the man you had juice and so that's where the title came from so people was like okay q he got the juice around his way um so anyway the movie goes on uh the four friends struggle to you know gain footing and get respect in their neighborhood and to end, everything goes awry. Bishop, played by Tupac, is the hothead of the crew, <laughs> to say the least. Um, and, you know, let's just let the cat out of the bag. This was uh, this was the coming out party for Tupac. This was, and a lot of people, a lot of hip-hop fans, a lot of rap fans, 
they always say that um you know Tupac became bishop <laughs> after this movie. Tupac became bishop in real life. Uh I wouldn't go that far, but you know, Tupac was um he was on some other shit, definitely after filming this movie. Uh so flipping the script, let's keep it real. Bishop wanted to be a part of the robbery that killed their friend Blizzard and was mad that Quincy would not let them go inside the building where, where, where inside the, the bar that was being robbed. That's not realistic. Let's just keep it real. I mean, like, if you remember that scene, Q went inside to get some cigarettes and their boy Blizzard was in there sticking up the place. And Blizzard, they found out later on the news that Blizzard got killed or was killed in a shootout with police. But, and Tupac gets angry at Quincy for not letting them go inside and back him up or get some of the money from the robbery. And, I mean, that's just not realistic. I mean, there's a lot of things Tupac said and did in this movie that probably weren't realistic. Um... But it was still hilarious, and and I mean, just a really good movie, I think. And it had its its, its issues, and I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, let's keep it real. Number two, um, Bishop went on a power trip. Bishop, in the midst of robbing Quiles's store, uh, as they were trying to hide out, hide away from the cops. Um, he ends up shooting and ultimately killing Raheem, who's a part of the crew. So you got Bishop and he kills Raheem. And not only that, but Bishop, you know, the boys go to the funeral and they're at the wake and Bishop is in there hugging, uh, uh, hugging Raheem's mom and just acting like everything's cool. And these dudes were really just still hanging with Bishop. I mean, like, your mans got killed by your other mans. We not mans no more. I'm sorry. We're not hanging out. That's not realistic. I have, I, I, and I, I speak very highly of my friends that I grew up with, and a couple of them have been on this podcast. If somebody in the crew shot somebody else in our crew and killed them, we ain't, we ain't crew no more. I'm sorry. And, of, of course, Steel saw it coming because Steel wasn't trying to hang with Bishop and Steel ends up getting shot. Now he doesn't die, but he ends up getting shot. Um, so yeah, that's not realistic. Um he killed Raheem. There's no way we we're hanging out and pretending as if he didn't kill Raheem. Um let's keep it real, number three. And I told Baylor um when I talked to him. When I told him I was going to do this episode, I told him there was one glaring thing that they did not cover in their episode that I was screaming at my speakers that they should have covered. And simply put, it's the ending. The ending of this movie is God awful. <laughs> if and when you watch this movie again, if you look at the 
last 10, maybe 15 minutes of the movie, the movie looks, the movie sounds, the movie feels like they ran out of money. <laughs> and I think who, who directed this? I think it was Ernest Dickerson, I think. Uh, I think either him or the Hudlin brothers. I can't, I'm not looking it up. Look it up. Um, yeah, they, I mean, like, one, <laughs> Q and Bishop are going at it, and he's shooting at Bishop. And if I'm not mistaken, and again, I'm not a gun enthusiast, and I don't know much about guns, but I think he has a six-shot revolver. He fires off way more than six shots. I think he fired off about nine. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the end of the movie, it really looks like even like some of the when you look at the fight scene, how they're fighting on the um on the rooftop, it I mean like it literally looks like they ran out of movie and lady was just like, hey, let's put let's put just put some shit together so we can so we can finish this. It was awful. I mean, like, as much as I love this movie, like, and 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 don't get me wrong. Here's the thing: if you ever see this movie and it's on network TV, it looks even worse because you got commercials and everything at toward the end. So it's it's bad. Um, for as much as I like the movie, it's bad at the end. He flips him over the thing, over the ledge because he didn't know the ledge. Shout out to the god. And he lets him go. Tupac falls down into the abyss. And everybody sees it. And as he's walking out or walking through the crowd, this little kid, just the little young dude says, you got the juice now, man. <laughs> he looks at Quincy at Q. And he says, you got the juice now, man. That is the dumbest line ever. It is so corny. I mean, like, you trust me. As somebody who was outside in 1992, nobody's saying that. Nobody. You got the juice now, man. Man, if you don't shut your damn dumbass up, I'll flip you over this ledge. <laughs> nah, man. That was that was terrible. That was terrible. Um Quotable from Juice. Um, many to choose from, but I think I'm going to go with Bishop. When Bishop was confronting Q, who had been dodging him in school, he said, and I quote, I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck about Steele. I don't give a fuck about Raheem. I don't give a fuck about Quillis. I don't give a fuck about me. So when I get tired of getting fucking getting, giving a fuck about you, pow, so be it. <laughs> so basically, he told he told Q like, when I'm tired of seeing you live, I'll take you out too. That conversation was crazy, but it's not realistic because at that point, I, me and you, we we fighting right there in the hallway dropping stuff yeah we, we fighting in the hallway brother we we're not doing that either that or, or, or we or we shooting that it's just a shootout right now um so yeah that that was that was juice uh 
last but not least, Menace to Society. Menace to Society came out May 26, 1993. Um, I can't remember who I went to the movies with. I, I do remember going to the movies with somebody. I can't remember who it was. Um, okay. This movie starred Tyron Turner, Jada Pinkett, not Jada Pinkett Smith, um, Charles L. Charles S. Dutton. Um, I know I'm forgetting somebody. Uh, Lorenz Tate as O Dog, <laughs> the great MC8. Uh, Too Short was in the movie. Um, and my man's, I can't remember his name. Um, you know who I'm talking about. He's in all those hood movies. He was Chauncey in this movie. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of stars in this movie. Um, this movie is set to in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I want to say Projects was Jordan Downs. Baylor or um, Dolomite could correct me shout out to dolomite uh too much game podcast and again baylor btg for president um i think it was jordan downs um don't don't quote me they would know because they're from la um but yeah so this movie set in la uh the movie is about kane kid named kane and how he moves and the things that happen to him in his lifetime per se uh so kane is running with old dog old dog is as he described america's worst nightmare young black and don't give a fuck so kane is telling the story about all the stuff that happens uh, they go to rob, well, not rob, but they they get into a confrontation at a convenience store with the Korean owner. Uh, old dog gets mad, <laughs> and old dog shoots and kills the convenience store owner. Uh, they take the security tape, and they're on the run, and they're trying not to get caught, you know, or found out, and they mistakenly never get rid of the security tape. Uh, and again, it just talks about, you know, you, you, you go through the scenes and the scenarios. Uh, Kane actually gets, he and his cousin Harold gets jacked. And when they get jacked, Harold gets killed. Uh, Kane gets shot in the shoulder. All the while, Kane is being served up. Because Kane was a little boy. And Kane, as a little boy he had a guy in his neighborhood that was an OG original gangster and his name was Pernell right and Pernell was dating or his baby mama was this chick named Lonnie who was played by Jada Pinkett and Pernell and his girl Lonnie they had a son I can't remember his name I guess he's Pernell Jr. so (laughs) and Pernell keep in mind Pronell knew Kane's dad before Kane's dad got killed or went to jail. I don't, I can't remember what happened to Kane's dad, but Kane lived with his grandparents, right? So Kane, again, is kind of like 
a, a little G, if you will, a BG, if you will. So he he's so much younger than Purnell. And I'm going to, so let's just say that Kane is 17. Purnell's probably about, I don't know, 40, 45. And Lonnie's much older than Kane. Lonnie's probably in her late 30s. She doesn't look it, but she's probably in her late 30s. And she's Pernell's girl, but she's not saving herself for Pernell because Pernell's going to be locked away for life. And so Pernell from jail convinces, or at least trying to convince, one, he's trying to convince Kane to be with Lonnie, raise his kid, and do all the stuff that he's supposed to do, but he can't do from jail. Now let's keep it real. <laughs> no OG is going to encourage uh, his little mans to be with his baby mama and be a role model to his son. I don't think that's happening. And now again, I'm not in a gang. I'm not familiar with gang culture. I do know the organization. Shout out to uh, uh, shout out to Dolomite and his organization. Um, that's not realistic. That's let, let's just keep it real. Pernell knows that he's gonna be locked up forever. He ain't trying to put his baby mama on his little man's. That don't happen. That's not realistic. Um, and it doesn't make sense either. I mean, there's plenty of he could have found some squares that you know just. <laughs> He could have found a whole bunch of people. And, you know, we, we find out in the movie that Lonnie is looking to move to Atlanta so she can get out of the hood. And she wants to take Kane with her. And Kane don't want to go because he's in he loves being in the ghetto. And this come on, man. Let's let's be realistic. Number two, I mentioned that there was a security camera where old dog shoots and kills the convenience store owner and the fellas from the hood had to tape <laughs> number two nobody sits around and watches videotape VHS tape of a convenience store owner being murdered like they're watching highlights on sports Center. come on man that's just not realistic it's not I mean as, as funny as it is, as funny as it sounds, and as funny as it seems back then, or at least it seemed back then, that's not happening, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. We Come on, America. What are we talking about here? They were literally just sitting around watching the tape. <laughs> they were literally sitting around just watching the tape. And so, you know, old dog was proudly showing it to any and everybody who wanted to see it. And Kane was, you know, mad at old dog for showing it, but nah, you know, you, if you're smart, you get rid of the, the evidence and that's clearly evidence. Um, and number three, let's keep it real. And I'm gonna let you all know a little secret that a lot of people, at least the people that I know didn't know this until later. And some may still not know it. And I may surprise a few of you. Kane narrates this film from start to finish. Kane is dead 
when the movie starts. You dig? He's dead. He's telling the story of his life from the grave. A lot of people didn't catch that. I caught that from the beginning. Now, I will say this much. <laughs> if you're familiar with the, um, the great song Straight Up Menace by MC8, Gia, which is an incredible dope song. That song, along with the video, basically tells you everything that happens in the movie. And here's the funny thing. I want to say the video came out like maybe a couple of weeks before the movie did. Or if not, it was around the same time. But you, you can listen to Straight Up Menace and not necessarily watch the movie and be cool because you're going to know what happens. But no, Kane is telling the story of his life from the car parties with his parents to his seeing his dad shoot somebody at a car party, you know, to him getting shot, everything. He's telling the story from the grave. He is already dead when the movie starts. And I think even when we walked out of the theater, I think there were some people that still didn't understand like, yo, he, you know, so, so it was not, it wasn't any shock or anything that he got shot and that Sharif got shot and killed or anything like that because he was already dead. And like, people were like <laughs> it just really flew over their heads so if and maybe for some of you listening and watching on youtube thank you for watching uh you that may be uh, uh the light bulb may be going off above your head too no he 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 was dead he was <laughs> he was dead at the beginning of the movie so and, and if you don't think that i'm telling the truth go watch it you'll see i'm i'm here for all all, all uh all the smoke so um let's see quotable man it's a lot of them um oh <laughs> the easiest one they were in an interrogation room and bill duke rest in peace who also appeared in the movie uttered these famous lines you know you know fucked up right <laughs> man listen that is a classic line from that movie i don't know why my mic is starting to trip now i can't even hold it up um yeah classic line from that movie man um <laughs> yeah oh and and um charles s dutton delivered a great line too what do you say he said um the hunt no, he said, the, the hunt is on, and you are the prey. And he wasn't lying, man. He was just talking about being, you know, a young black boy in America. And we felt that line. The hunt is on, and you are the prey. Um, and he was just trying to prevent his son and his friends from falling down that same path. And, you know, Sharif and Stacy were going to uh, Kansas because Stacy had, um, he was going to play football, I think, at a junior college. And so they were getting out of L.A. And, um, you know, Ronnie was that's I, I said her name was Ronnie. Ronnie, I'm sorry. Ronnie was leaving. Um, she was going to Atlanta and she wanted to take Kane and her son with her. Well, she was taking her son, but um, yeah, Kane, Kane didn't want to go.
but yeah folks Kane was was talking from the from the grave he wasn't he wasn't um he wasn't with us when the movie came on um but all in all like i said these are these are four hood classic movies are they the greatest movies ever no they're not but i will say this much they're, they're worth watching um i've seen all of them multiple times um and again if they come on tv i don't like now i will say this much i don't like watching tv movies i mean when they make the movies for tv one because you don't get the cussing and stuff and then two like they cut out bigger chunks of the, the movie i'd rather see it you know raw and cut the way that it, it was you know sent in the theaters um but i think they're good movies i think they're worth watching i think the acting was good um you know you could have your beef with certain scenes and and again shout out to baylor and rashani because they touched on more than i, I only gave you three because i wanted you know for time's sake i wanted to give you three of each movie where in each movie where i say well we we could keep it real and that's something that i could flip that script on where they could change um but uh you know if you watch these movies long enough you'll find a, a, a slew of things, you know, even something as simple as when Nino st- stabbed Christopher Williams in the hand and he didn't really stab him in the hand. If you got a VHS tape, when you stop that tape, you'll see it. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of stuff uh, that happened in the movies and, you know, you didn't have necessarily the technology that we have today, but you know, all in all, check out these movies. More importantly, check out BTG for president. Again, the show link is in um, the show description check that episode out with him and Rashani I think that runs about one hour and 25 minutes but it's dope listen uh, that's gonna do it for me uh, I am your boy 12 Kyle thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 Kyle podcast uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast um, the podcast drops every Thursday at midnight from time to time we drop bonus episodes on Sundays at midnight if you feel so inclined hit us up on cash app Dollar sign T W E L V E K Y L E. Again, that's going to do it for me. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. This has been an episode of the 12 Kyle podcast. Flipping the script, the remix. Again, shout out to Baylor and Rashani. I'm going to catch you guys next time. Five G's. Chill.